Hey, this is Sammy Flores. I'm the pastor at Coin Church in Chino, California, and this is our podcast. I'm so grateful you're tuning in. I hope this encourages you and calls you to more because you were made for more. Here's our latest message. I'm so excited. I do need my Bible. Thank you, Kelly. Merry Christmas. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I wanted to talk about this um, because we're on this Advent conversation, and Advent literally just means arrival. It means arrival and anticipation. And the signs of Christmas, right, or like the fourfold, the hope, joy, love, peace. And so I was uh, thinking about <clears throat> this, this idea of, of, uh, of pressure when it gets hard. We all know that, right? And if we've been walking in life in general longer than others, we would know that in life, it, it, life is not easy. It's very difficult at times, right? It's filled with suffering. It's filled with heaviness. It's filled with pressure. When I was in high school, I, um, I did water polo and swim. And so we were always in the water. And I remember, you know, no matter how many times you've been in the water, when you swim down as deep as you can, you start to feel the pressure and you feel it in your ears, right? And you have to pop your ears out. Um, but then if you're in a bigger pool and you just keep going down, it just it, it starts to like hurt a little bit the further down you go. And there's pressure that comes with that and it makes sense. It's just all of the pounds of water that's above you, our bodies can't handle that. So when you look at scuba divers, you look at they need all this equipment and, and stuff to help them maintain the pressure. And it just got me thinking about how so many times in my life I feel like I had tons and tons of pressure on top of me. And we have those moments. And for those that believe in Jesus or don't believe in Jesus, there's still the same frustration. It's pressure, right? It's hard. But for those who do believe in Jesus and those who understand that when pressure comes, we do have a response. And so I want to talk to you today about what it means to have joy. There is this fish, uh, multiple fish. There's like sort of these species, many of them, by the way. And they have the capacity to swim miles and miles and miles down because they have this particular organ within them that when the pressure comes, they're able to push it out. Imagine that. You have pressure built up in you. And the fish has this particular organ that pushes the pressure out. And I would say that's what joy is. That's exactly what joy does. That in the life of pain and heartache and wilderness and valley, there is something within you that can push the pressure out. And that is joy. Joy is not circumstance. Joy is not happiness. Joy comes from something deep within us that allows us to push the pain, the suffering, the pressure out. So this is what God does in our lives. This is what he will do. When he gives us joy, he gives you and I the capacity for your life in real time. God is not just this fairy tale guy in the clouds out there somewhere. I'm not quite sure what he does or doesn't do. No, he's a real God. And so we learn in the story of Jesus, he came to earth to us, to be with us, to show us how to live. 
And he showed us joy, by the way. So this is what joy does. I want to read to you in uh, the book of Isaiah, starting at uh, chapter 35, if you want to turn there with me, Isaiah 35. And uh, there's a good amount of scripture that I want to read to you, starting 35, starting at verse 1, and we're going to go all the way to verse 10. So it says this, the desert and the parched land will be glad, the wilderness will rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it. The splendor of Carmel and Sharon. They will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of our God. Strengthen the feeble hands. Steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong and do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap with, like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand will become like a pool and the thirsty ground bubbling springs. In the haunts where jackals once lay, grass and reeds and papyrus will grow. And a highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. It will be for those who walk on that way. The unclean will not journey on it. Wicked fools will not go about on it. No lion will be there, nor any ravenous beast. But only the redeemed will walk there. And those the Lord has rescued will return. They will enter Zion with singing everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them and sorrow and sighing will flee away. Joy? Come on, Sam. Joy? With everything going on in the world? Like, look at the world. Look at, like, what's become of us. It's pretty scary. It's dark. It's, it's not fun to be around when you kind of just look at everything that's taking place. There's death, there's pain, there's loss, there's murder. And this is where biblical faith offers a unique perspective on joy. This is where the people of God shift the conversation. This is where we change culture. It's an attitude. It's God's people that they adopt this. What do they adopt? Well, not because of happy circumstances, but because of their hope in God's love and promise. Isaiah, in the middle of a bleak and dark and difficult now, wants to encourage his people to keep their heads up, not lose sight of the God with them in the now, to a brighter and glorious hope in the future. There's nothing we can do about the past, man. Friend, I'm so sorry, but there's nothing you can do about the past. You got to let it go. <laughs> you got to know that God can redeem it that's your perspective that's your vantage point but it has to come from a hope much bigger than yours and my bible says god redeems my past but you have to begin to learn how to live in the now joy must settle in the now it's not predicated off 
the things of the future or the things of the past. It must be anchored here now. But joy pulls us towards future, doesn't it? I mean, think about it. Why, why would we have joy? What's the point of joy? Well, it, it's, it's very connected to hope, isn't it? It pushes out the pressure. Why, why do we need to push? How can we even push out the pressure? Well, because there's something within us that says, no, 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 you can get through this. There's a better day. I know it's dark. I know it's bleak. I know it's painful. I know it's terrifying. I know the government is, is, is wrecking us and ruling us. I know the Roman Empire is coming and, and, and forcing us to do whatever they want, and they're desecrating the temple, and they're just speaking ill about our God. I understand all of those things. Why joy, though? Oh, because it pulls us towards the future of hope. Life keeps going, doesn't it? Unfortunately, <laughs> for the good and the bad, life keeps going. Sometimes we want moments to just stop. Oh, if I could just... Keep this moment forever. And that's good, but the challenge with that is if you hold on to that moment, it becomes a monument. Monuments are good, but last I checked, I don't need to worship any monuments. I need to worship a God in heaven who is beyond time and space, who pulls me towards the future. It's like a gravitational pull. <laughs> My mom this morning, it's her birthday today, by the way. Uh, so happy birthday, mom. <laughs> My mom reminded me, I was like, man, Merry Christmas to you. Happy birthday, mom. She's like, you know, Sam, you've always been drawn into the future. I remember as a little boy, 12, 13, you would say, mom, you know, you had me so young. You're a little bit older. So I was like, are you ever going to be at my wedding? Are you ever going to see my, my, my kids? I used to tell my mom that. Like, who does that? <laughs> but my mom was reminding me, Sam, you've, there's always been something that's pulled you to the future. And that's joy. It's hope. I will never stand on a monument. Wow, Coin Church, look at what we did. Man, and we did this and we did that. It was so awesome. The heydays. What? That's the past. Stop living in that. Stop talking about the things we used to do. It should bring joy. Yes. Oh, wow. Whoa, so cool. Now how do we move forward? How do we build a better day? God's not done. Life keeps going, doesn't it? And we keep looking at the next, but God will show up in our now. That's a word for me, by the way. <laughs> looking for the next and the next and the next. Yes, there's beauty in that. A wise man builds and plans, but learn to live in the now. To smell the roses, to breathe a little bit, to sit back and look at your family or your children that God has entrusted them with you. Look at the things that God has given and say, man, what gratitude, what thankfulness. Joy pushes out the pressure. Joy focuses our attention on what's most important, doesn't it? Isaiah in the middle of the now is encouraging his people to keep their heads up. His teaching is not to give up on the God of joy, and that would be today too. God is telling you, do not give up on joy. Don't do it. Don't become that guy. Don't become that girl. Keep pushing. Keep your eyes towards Zion, towards the kingdom of heaven. So he uses this graphic imagery 
of desert, of parched land, of wilderness, of emptiness, through the prophet Isaiah. So we try to decorate the desert, don't we? But it's still the desert. However, we still push out the pressure. Stop decorating it. Stop living in it. And I know this. Even this last year, there's been moments where I feel like I was in a desert place internally. Desert, desert, desert. Oh, gosh, how am I going to do this? How is this going to happen? How are we going to do this? How am I going to take care of this and that? And it's just like sometimes you can feel like you're in a desert place. And then there's other times where I'm reminded, no, it's actually not that bad. There's much worse things taking place within the lives of our people, within the, the, the world that we live in. How dare I complain? Woe is me. Look towards Zion, towards hope. But don't decorate the desert. Can we not do that? Please don't do that. I don't really know how to be loving and say that to you. So I can kind of say it here, right? But it's really hard if, like, you're going through something. I can't look at you and be like, hey, stop decorating that desert, man. Get out of it. The Israelites couldn't get into the promised land because they were complainers. Stop complaining in the desert and decorating the desert. There's more. There's a hope. I will give you the land of milk and honey, God told the Israelites. And now they're in another desert place hundreds of years later because of their own doing, because of the world that we live in. And we could even argue at some time in space that we feel as though we're in desert places. I don't want to be doom and gloom this morning because we're talking about joy. But it's important to talk about the things that are broken so that we can understand joy. I mean, we live in a pretty messed up world. Pretty bad, man. <laughs> if you just kind of step back and look at it for what it is, like the war and rumors of war and Palestine or Israel and you have pastures just, I don't even want to go there. But the joy, where are we going? What is God doing? Where is life? Where is hope? Where is meaning? Where is purpose? You can always see the good and the bad, and you can always see the bad and the good. Stop living in that desert place and stop decorating it. You weren't designed to stay and live in the desert. There's more. So when the Israelites were suffering from slavery in Egypt, God raised up a man named Moses, a depiction of the Christ, to lead them into freedom. And the first thing the Israelites did was they sang for joy. They shouted for joy when they got out of Egypt. Even though they were in the middle of a desert, they were vulnerable. The promised land was still far away. Man, I don't know where it is or how we're going to get there, but I'm going to sing with joy because of what God has done and what he's taken me out of. There's a lot of things I can complain about, and we surely know they complained about a lot. But what about the joy? What about all that he's taken you out of? What about all the things and the times that you should have been dead six feet under and he brought you out of it? He's a good God. Even when you couldn't see it, there's moments of revelation when you can look back and connect all the dots. No, God, you were with me there. You were with me there. You've always been with me. Joy that pushes out the pressures of life to inhale and to exhale. And they rejoiced anyway, didn't they? I wonder who rejoices anyway when you're in the fight. I wonder who does that. 
You see, when you're in your desert, can you hear the promise of God? Can you still see beyond the horizon? Because there is a horizon. It's far away. It might seem way out there, but it's still there. I'm still going to sing. He picked me up and he turned me around. He placed my feet on solid ground. Even when I'm in the deepest valley, even when I'm in the darkest valley of my life, even when I'm broken, even when I'm hurt, even when I'm messed up, even when someone knocked me on my face, he picked me up, he turned me around. Joy. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. I don't deserve to be here. I don't deserve to have what I have. Thank you for my family. Thank you for the miracle of like children and birth and joy and life. Thank you. That's what joy does. Do you have joy? It's a, something that seems like it's like out there, right? Well, yeah, because when the Spirit of God is within you, it comes from in here. It comes from within. What bothers me, if I could just be honest, because I have to talk about this, is when there are people that don't believe in Jesus, and they seem like they have more joy than people who do believe in Jesus. Ouch. Come on, church. That's for me, too. That was one of the biggest things, I always say this every year, that I saw in Grandma Liz ever since I met her. Ever since I met her. Joy, joy, whoa, joy. You know, it just like, it just lights up smiling. Did she ever do that to you? <laughs> it's just the face of joy. We need that, don't we? This joy in the wilderness, this was a defining moment, a way of saying that the joy of God's people is not determined by their struggles, but by their future. It's always determined by the future. Yes, God is the God of now, but he's also the God of the future. All throughout the Old Testament, the prophets would echo the future, echo the future. Hope in the midst of darkness, hope. This joy in the wilderness defines us either into a man or a woman of joy or a man or a woman of despair. You get to choose, by the way. Unfortunately or fortunately, but fortunately, you get to choose. Do you have joy? Will you choose joy? Later, biblical poets looked back on this story and they remembered how the Lord caused his people to leave with joy. His chosen ones would shout with joy. This theme appears later in Israel's story when Israel suffered under the oppression of foreign empires. The prophet Isaiah, who we read about, looked for the day when God would raise up a new deliverer like Moses. That's when those redeemed by the Lord will return to Zion with glad shouts, with eternal joy crowning their heads. Happiness and joy will overtake them. And while the Israelites waited, they chose joy to anticipate their future redemption. I will wait, man. I'm going to wait. I know that God is on the other side of this. I know that he's doing something. I know he's working all of the evil out for the good, for those who love him and pursue him and are called according to his purposes. You see, inside that desert will come joy, friend. Something will blossom. The crocus will blossom. 
Winter is cold, isn't it? Us Californians don't really understand that, right? <laughs> I remember when I, when I lived in Springfield, Missouri. Um, I'm so tempted to say misery, right? <laughs> Springfield, misery. But I remember, like, the cold. I know. I'm sorry, Sarah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, but I, I, uh, I, I loved the season of it, though, because it felt like it actually felt like winter, right? Like you walk outside, you're like, gosh, this is winter. It's like December. It's like 75 degrees outside. I always ask Alexa in the morning, Alexa, what's the weather like today? I'm like, oh, gosh, here we go. Another hot day in December. Oh, but I could either be grateful for that or ungrateful. I'm like, oh, wow. It's not like winter, winter. But winter gets really cold when you're actually in it, and you're, like, freezing, and you can't move, right? And you're, like, scraping the ice off your windshield. We don't know about that, right? Snow gets annoying after a while, though. The desert gets annoying. The cold gets annoying. The crocus is a small tulip family flower that Isaiah talks about, telling us that spring is coming. You see, we Californians like the idea of winter, but not for long. So in particular parts of, of the world, there's someone will know spring is coming when they see the tulips begin to emerge out of the snow. Oh, spring's coming. It's not always going to be like this. It's a season, and it's called a season for a reason. Sometimes that imagery is life, isn't it? Man, we have to keep our eyes out and peeled for the moments of hope and joy that is around us. But spring is on the way. I do know that there are people in this room, especially in the Christmas time, it gets really heavy, doesn't it? Like I even hate just thinking about it, but like life just it keeps going on, doesn't it? And friend, I got to remind you, again, Merry Christmas, but I got to remind you, like, the people in your life might not always be there. In fact, we, it's just reality. They won't. Are you savoring the moments? Are you making sure you're living in unity? Are you just so built up with your own ego and anger? Or are you showing love and forgiveness knowing that you are not promised with them another day? You have no idea what could happen. And so it's like we have to remind the posture of our soul. Oh, the gratitude, the joy that pushes out the heaviness of the pressures of life. But watch this, Coin Church, we can't give up. We can't give in. We don't throw in the towel. We will never be people who throw in the towel. We will never be the people that say, it can't be done. It won't happen. We will always say, no, what, God, what does God want to do? Does he want to do it in us? Is he calling us to be that type of people? Again, I really believe this with every fiber of my being. If there's 100 people in the room, you better be the one person that says, no, there's hope. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. I know it doesn't seem like it's going to work, but God is with us. I know it seems like we're in a desert place, but you're moping and crying and, and you're, you're kind of murmuring and it's affecting me a little bit. There's always hope. There's joy uh, uh, beyond the horizon. There's a better day to come, so, so get your hearts ready. Know that spring is coming. 
Someone in here needs to, 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 to be reminded that the winter will not last forever. It's, it's not going to last forever, friend. Something's going to spring forth. And you are being developed in your winter season, by the way. I've said this before. I'll say it again. I think I've learned just like this much about life so far, right? With respect for those that have lived much longer than me, I think I've learned this much of life. I think pastoring has like forced me to like learn a lot quicker. <laughs> it just gets heavy and dark and hard and difficult and talk after talk and frustration after frustration trying to figure everyone's emotions out and personalities and it's like, oh God, help me. But what it's done in me is it's developed me. Because I've said, okay, God, you could either, this could be good for me or bad for me. I can get really bitter or I can just choose to get better. So when you're in your season of gloom or dark or winter, friend, what is God wanting to develop in you? What is he trying to pull out that is not of him? Something's going to spring forth. Isaiah goes on to encourage us, I know you're in the desert, so what do I do? Well, here's what you do. When you're in a challenging season, verse 3 says, strengthen the feeble hands. I'm worried. I'm nervous. What are we going to do? Strengthen the feeble hands. Steady the knees that give way, right? Steady them. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong and do not fear. Your God will come and he will come with vengeance, meaning justice is on him how he does it, not on you. It's not your enemy. It might not even be God's enemy, but God will do what he needs to do when there's injustice. Vengeance is not, vengeance is not for you, it's for God. That is what joy does. It comes to us in the middle of the pain, the middle of the brokenness, the middle of the worry or the fear, the anxiety, the depression, the chaos, hope does not deny reality of that, by the way. I want to make something really clear. Hope is not denying reality. But the same is said for joy. It does not deny reality. Joy isn't about circumstance. I want to make that really clear. Please write that down. Joy is not circumstantial. Happiness is about circumstance. Joy isn't. Joy comes at the center, at the core, but something is happening in the middle of the mess that says, don't give up. Strengthen the feeble hands. Steady the knees. Do not be afraid. I am with you. That's all you need to hear. That's all you need to hear, friend. Do not be afraid. I am with you wherever you go. To the ends of the world. That was the promise that Jesus gave to us. What a promise. In other words, what Isaiah is saying is we need an attitude adjustment. I love this analogy. I have to bring it up again. An attitude is the relative nose of an aircraft to the horizon. So when you're flying, if the airplane has a positive attitude, it'll rise. Positive attitude. If it has a negative attitude, what happens? Starts going down. When you put your hand out the window, what happens as a little kid? Right? <laughs> the wind comes, either oh, or down, ah, oh, right? As a little kid doing that in the window. I still do that as an adult sometimes, right? You see, the wind is gonna blow in your life, friend. You can't control the wind, you can't control the desert, you can't control the valley, 
You cannot manage it. So if you have a positive attitude, when the wind blows, when the storm comes, you will rise. But if you have a negative attitude, it'll bring you down. I know this by experience. Try it when you go home today on your way to lunch. Right? So, oh, okay. There is something about having my eyes towards Zion. There is something about having hope. There is something about joy. There is something about my attitude. I get to control my attitude, by the way. You can't take that from me. You can't take my mind from me. You can hurt me. You can say things about me. You can beat me to the ground. But at the end of the day, when you're in your jail cell, when you're in your valley, when you're on the floor, you get to choose what attitude and posture you will stand and live on. And I just want to make it really clear for the people of God, it is the call to stand with a positive attitude. It is the call to say, no, 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 there's joy in this. I don't know if you can see it or find it. There's hope in this. I don't know if you can manage it. But God is with you, and he is always beyond the horizon, and he will always come to take care of you. Even if you can't see it or feel it, he's with you. So steady the hands. Steady the knees. As you do this, as you live like this, let's not forget the vision behind all of this. Watch what happens. Verse 5, then the eyes of the blind will be opened, the ears of the death unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer, and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. Sounds a lot to me like a prophecy of all that Jesus did, doesn't it? He will open the blind eye. He will open the ears that are deaf. He will shift our tongue to shouts of joy. Outrageous imaginations beyond who we are. This is what happened when God comes to us, by the way. A little baby. This was the story that we must remind ourselves of. Yes, I love the tree. Yes, I love the lights. 100%. It points me to the signs of hope, joy, peace, and love. The signs are all around you. The baby Jesus in the manger, yes. But why? Oh, for joy. To say, God is with me now. He's not out there somewhere far. He is here now with me. And he'll never leave me. So watch how God comes to us in a little tiny baby that we must come close to and hold. Have you thought of that? You got to get close to God to know who he is. You got to get near him. You got to really, really do everything you can to just say, how can I just get as close as I can to you, God? And oftentimes, I know this to be true. So people are like, I can't feel God. I don't really know where he's at. I can't see him. Well, he might be so close, you can't even tell. So near to you that he's right there, but you just can't even see him. That's how close he is. That is Emmanuel, God with us. It says the burning sand will become a pool, the thirsty ground bubbling springs. Sometimes we may think in our desert and wilderness, this is just going to be the way it is. Have you ever told yourself that? Well, this is just how it's always going to be, right? No. No. I'm here to tell you, it's not always going to be this way. 
that challenge in your marriage, that difficulty in your job, in your career pursuits, in your anxiety or worry or your finances, in your singleness, in your parenting, in your diagnosis, in your you fill in the blank. God will always be with you. And it says in verse 8, and a highway will be there. There's a highway. And it will be called the way of holiness. I love that. It will be for those who walk on that way. And do you notice that it's a capital W, by the way? Both of them? Well, that's the way of Jesus. That's why I just, I'm a Jesus guy. Because there's a lot of ways, but there's only one capital W way. It might not be the way you want it to be, by the way. But it surely is the way he wants, and he knows much more than I do. I can put my trust and hope in that and not in me. So we need a way in the darkness. We need a north to go to in the trials of life. It comes by no surprise that Jesus describes himself as the way. Who himself is the way who invites you. You don't need a map. You need a guide. Have you ever thought of that? I... A long time ago made a decision. I will no longer try to figure this thing out like a map. <laughs> it just can't. Good luck with that. I've tried it. I love dreaming and thinking of the future. And like at some point in my life, I was like, oh, yeah, that didn't go out the way I like mapped it. So then I had to reshift my mind and say, no, 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 I, I can't look at a map. I need a guide. There's many guides in your life. Just think about it. It's uh, social media or it's your favorite entrepreneur or coach out there or pastor even or worship team or musician. I mean, the, the list goes on and on, and they're great, like, examples, right? The podcast guys, awesome. But that cannot be your guide. You need a greater guide. The mighty counselor. He's the one that will direct your paths when you trust in him, when you put your hope in him, when you lean into him. He will make a way where there is no way. So you're not giving a map. You're given a guide. You are not given a here is what you do next. Instead, you're given a I will be with you every step of the way. <laughs> Did you know that? Honestly, like I will be with you every step of the way. And this road leads to Zion, his kingdom. When he is guiding you, it will always lead you home. There will always be a true north when he guides you. So if we could put this on the screen, I'm almost done, by the way. Those the Lord has rescued will return. They will enter Zion with singing and everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them. Sorrow and sighing will flee away. And all of a sudden, joy becomes what we imagine it to be. I have needed strength in the journey, and that joy has been my strength, and joy springs up in the wilderness. That organ that that fish has gives capacity for life beyond your ability to imagine. We must know it doesn't always feel like happy. It's not circumstantial. Joy is not anchored in circumstance. Joy is, <laughs> please hear, this is so good. This is like, this is the best part, in my opinion. Joy is not anchored to circumstances. Joy transforms your circumstances. Yeah. 
I believe that. I really, it's not just something I say. I've lived that. I've lived that out, man. I'm still living it out. It's the joy of the Lord that transforms me from the inside out. So whatever circumstance I'm in, who cares about the circumstance? Who is within me? That propels me, that pushes me, that calls me to more, that tells me when I'm in the bleak, dark moments, there is more. I am with you. Do not be afraid. Strengthen the feeble hands, Sam. Move forward. So joy has a first name. God. Jesus. Emmanuel. If ever there was a moment in darkness, it was on the cross where life died and it was buried and faith gave up. And we thought joy died with him. When I say we, the disciples, the people, right? I want you to think of joy like a, like a jack-in-the-box. Years ago I did this and I was like, I want to do that again. And then we didn't have any like little jack-in-the-boxes. Joy is like a jack-in-the-box. And you never know when it's going to spring up, right? And then maybe a little, and then he's doing it, right? And then, boom, it pops up. That's joy. That's what God did. Three days later, he sprang up. And he shouted to us as he walked out of the tomb. Your life is not defined by darkness, friend. Your life is not defined by your brokenness. Your life is not defined by your shame or your past. It's not even defined by your winter seasons. Your life is defined by life that springs up to eternity. That's your life. That's your God. Because he has come. Stop looking for God in a tomb. Stop looking for God in the past even. He's there in the moments with you 100%. But he's much more saying, no, 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 monument this way. This way, there's more, there's new, there's transformation with me. Joy is also in our everyday, ordinary life, isn't it? So the calm, the normal, the mundane, the simple, that's where joy will come to us. That's it. It's like sitting back. I was drinking my coffee the other day. We have our little Christmas tree up. And Elena and Zoe were playing. And I'm like, again, it's the Father's voice. It's a good reminder. Maybe it's my voice. I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. But every once in a while, it'll come to me and it'll say, it's not always going to be like this. I feel it's like the whisper of the Holy Spirit. Son, it's not always going to be like this. And I get to choose what, like, what are you trying to, like, what do you mean, God? But it's a both and. No, they'll be older. They're going to get married one day. Isn't that scary for the parents that have, like, little ones? Your child's going to get married one day? And I've learned long enough, I've been around enough people in my life to say, they say, hey, Sam, it, it goes fast. It's really fast, like a blink of an eye. And I used to get kind of annoyed by that, like, okay, all right. And now I'm like, no, tell me more, please. I need to learn from you. I'm not, I'm not too far above. Like, please teach me. Okay, joy. In the mundane, in the simple, in the small, that's where joy is. You can find it everywhere you go, by the way. 
because it's within you. So God does come to us in a massive spectacle, yes. He comes to us in the small and the overlooked, yes. He comes to us as a baby that we need to get close and hold. It's in the womb that God is stirring something up. It's where growth occurs. It's in the waiting. It's in the content. It's in the anticipation. He comes to us in a bundle of joy. So don't be surprised if laughter springs. You just start laughing in the wilderness. Don't be surprised when you're having your worst day ever and you fixate your eyes to Zion and you begin to laugh and to lift your hands up, to steady your feeble hands and say, no, God, it's not in my circumstance. You are good no matter what happens. I will rejoice in you. The joy of the Lord is in this place. The joy of the Lord is my salvation. I will lean in and I will enjoy you, God. You are good. You bring me life and light to the full. I love you, God. Thank you for all that you've done in my life. Thank you for the winter season. Thank you for leading me like the good shepherd that you are. I needed to learn some stuff in there. I was a little arrogant. I was a little prideful. I thought life was all easy. But no, you taught me something in the wilderness. And I saw something spring up and say, son, look up. Lift your head. There's hope in the horizon. It's in you, though, Sam. Stop looking out there. It's within you. It's the joy of the Lord. That's the joy that you need. No matter what, that's the joy that you need. So for those that have put their hope and trust in Jesus, they have joy. It's in you. Pull it out. You have Jesus this morning? Pull it out. The joy is in you. The creator of the universe, the spirit of God resides within you. Pull the joy out. Shift your mind. Read the scriptures. It's in you. And family's saying, no, 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 this, this isn't the end. Oh, that's what I can't stand about funerals. It's hard, man. Oh, but when someone knew Christ. But when you knew they knew God. Oh, it's just... I love those moments because it's like, yeah, we'll mourn right now. Oh, but they're going to spring up because Christ sprang up. We'll see them again. That's why Christ had to come. That's why he had to dwell among us. He had to teach us a new way to life and to eternity. The joy will spring. So lift your head, those who are mourning and broken. He is with you. He has overcome the world. Joy. Because we have it, we have hope, we have peace, and we can laugh in the midst of any death, any darkness, any shadow, any wilderness, any hardship, because joy reigns. Amen? Will you stand with us this morning?